Hello and welcome yet again to another fabulous and fantastic episode of Unstoppable Rise, a resource dedicated to helping motivated individuals press on towards the mark of self-actualization using a blended tool set of old school wisdom and new Greek tactics to help achieve this end. My name is Sim, I'll be your host, and today we're going to be diving into the Productivity Manifesto. Hello and welcome back. As I mentioned in the intro, we're going to be continuing our manifesto series by taking a look at the productivity manifesto. And this is the third or fourth of our manifestos that we're going to be doing. The last two were focused on psychology, which is your base layer, and philosophy, which is the layer above that. And then now we meet This is where the rubber meets the road via productivity. So this is what we're going to be diving into today. And I've talked about productivity at length on this show and on the site and elsewhere. If you've happened to come across my writings elsewhere or my content elsewhere, uh, productivity is a key foundation in self-development and it is the core of Cornerstone. The course that I released earlier this year, productivity is designed to be the core of the course because productivity is where you take your psychology and your philosophy in life and apply them to actually creating tangible results in the world. And this is what we're going to be talking about today. This episode is going to be pretty expansive and this episode, um, pretty much the written format of this can be seen in the post I put on the site a couple months ago called Man on Fire Action Taking. And that detailed the tactics and methods of productivity that I used over a decade plus to create value and give value in the world. So I will post a link to that post in the show notes and you can check it out. But without further ado, we're going to be talking about productivity at length today. So I hope you're ready. As I mentioned in the last pair of manifestos, there's a lesson dedicated to why we're learning about all these in the cornerstone. In each module of the cornerstone, there's a lesson answering the question why. Why are we concerned with psychology? Why are we concerned with philosophy? Why are we concerned with productivity in this case? Why are we concerned about learning the ins and outs of it? And the why is covered in detail in Cornerstone, and I'll touch upon it here. But the what, what productivity is and how it influences self-development is what I'm going to get into here. So when you hear the word productivity, a lot of people automatically think of work, but From a self-development perspective, productivity extends to everything in life because productivity at its core is just taking action. And that sounds underwhelming just on the surface, but life is taking action. And life is about taking action and most importantly, providing value and being able to take value from other people who give it to you. So it's a give and take. And productivity 
for taking action is how anything gets done. So when you start to look at it from that pair of eyes, you see that productivity touches every single area of your life. There's no stone unturned when it comes to being productive. So going back into the past of humanity and life on Earth, period, as a mammalian species, human beings, we do not produce our own energy source like some other life on the planet does. We have to go out and find nutrients and sustenance and resources to keep ourselves living, keep ourselves alive. So the act of going out and looking for resources is embedded into our nervous system, into our DNA, into our whole perspective of life. You can't escape this fact of life because this is a fact of life that existed before you and will exist after you. So at its core, being able to go out and accumulate resources, be able to go out and get food, be able to go out and get water, be able to go out and get materials for shelter, that involves productivity. Basic survival involves productivity at some level. So this is why in order to survive, human beings grouped up together because we are stronger together than we are apart. And apart, we're one of the weakest species on planet Earth. We can easily get torn to bits by many of the land mammals out there. But in a group, when we work together and when we put our heads together, we're able to come up with amazing things. Look at the world. The world was built by humans for the most part. And the ability to congregate together and create things, that is productivity, right? And our brain physically has a huge, huge, huge amount of it dedicated to social activity because we are a social creature. So productivity, like I said, the give and take of productivity is deeply embedded in us. And it is an inescapable fact and part of life, just like breathing air. So that's pretty much the what of productivity. But the why, real quick, is pretty simple. Again, accumulating resources, gathering resources. And most places in the world are capitalist economies. There are very few market-controlled economies. I believe China is a combination of capitalism and government-controlled economy. But for the most part, most of us worldwide are going to be taking part in capitalism at some point and some part. So being able to produce things is part of capitalism. And again, like I said, it's an inescapable part of life. So knowing how to be productive and knowing what productivity extends to and the areas it touches most intimately that is knowledge that you need to have if you want to be successful. So to pivot real quick, I'm going to get into some of the personal reasons that I had for developing 
high levels of productivity in my life and making this a key foundation of my self-development philosophy. And I graduated college in 2013, so quite a while ago, but I distinctly remember that I set four objectives for myself to orient my life around post-graduation because I knew that without any rudder, I would just be drifting in the ocean. So I made it a point of duty to find some way. I didn't know the way at that time, but I made it a point of duty to find some way to develop these things within myself, these four following things. And they were to be the best friend I could be. So being a good friend and the skill of friendship, because friendship is a skill, being able to give and receive support from other people is a skill. Some people are more naturally talented at it, but it's something everybody can get better at, being able to support other people. So that was one of the things that I had as a prime objective post-graduation because there were times where I wasn't a good friend or I could have been a better friend and I made it a point of due to really develop that in myself. So that was the first one. And the second one would be to live via principles, which Cornerstone is all about principles. That's all Cornerstone really is talking about, even though there are some variations and nuances on the principles. At the end of the day, it still comes back to principles. The third would be to live via priorities. And the fourth would be to give value to the world. So the last two are directly speaking to productivity, priorities and value. So if you don't live your life via priorities, you know, everything will become a priority. That's just how it is by default. Because everything is just flooding into the world. The world obviously is a distracting place. And you know, if everything looks important, then you're not able to differentiate what is important versus non-important. So priorities, I made that a point of view to always know what my priorities are and what my main objectives were, which... These four were part of the main objectives. And then obviously to give value in the world because that's how you generate money. That's how you generate networking opportunities. That's how you become an asset instead of a liability, which is all productivity is about really. So those last two speak directly to productivity again. And I knew that I just had to build the ability to be productive into my life. Because when you first come out of school, a lot of people who come out of school, to be honest, are very unprepared for the world because real life is not about taking tests, right? Real life is about, again, producing value and employers want to know what value you can, you can produce. They don't really care about what you can memorize. So productivity for myself had to be built sort of from the ground up and have to at the have an introspective look at it and look at it from a new angle, a new lens, a new light and just work on being pretty much a weapon. So and I have personal reasons for being productive or developing productivity like I said. So my background I did not grow up poor. I'll say that 
um, did not grow up destitute, definitely was not poverty stricken, but I would describe my economic upbringing as, I would call it lower middle class. So it's one of those situations where you're not feeling extreme amount of pain. I never went hungry. I never had no way to buy food. I never had a lack of clothes. I never had a lack of shelter. So life was good in that sense. But I knew that there were many levels above where I was. And it's one of those things that where if you're born into it, and if you're raised in it, it's something that you can just stay stuck there for the rest of your life, because it's a state where you're not suffering, but you're not doing too, too great at the same time. It's one of those paycheck to paycheck situations in a sense, but it's something where you're not existentially threatened with a, let's say, a foreclosure on the house or you're not going to school with holes in your pants or your shirt or anything like that, right? So obviously there were times where money was tight, but it's not like we were at a loss for things. So that's where I came from. But I obviously knew that there were many levels above and I just knew I couldn't stay in the lower middle class because there were many things that I want to do from an early age that you cannot do just by being in the lower middle class. And every level of quote unquote income you have or let's say income or net worth or whatever financial situation you have, you have access to different things. So if you're poor, 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 then your access to things is going to be very, 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 very limited. And if you're poor or if you grew up in a poor family, then you know what I'm talking about. I don't need to go in depth about that. Or if you came from where I came from, which is the quote unquote lower middle class, then you know what I'm talking about. So you know that certain things were off limits to you in a sense. And you're pretty much surviving day to day. And that's pretty much what the struggle of capitalism is about pretty much raising your class and raising your standards in a sense for life. So there were no fancy vacations. There were no five-star outings on weekends. There were no, um, there were no extra things in life. It was always bare bones basics. And sometimes once every now and then we would have a luxury for something like that. But um, it wasn't where you could look, it wasn't something, it wasn't a situation where you could swipe your credit card or you could swipe your bank card and not have to worry about and not have to think about what's in the bank because uh, you have a lot of money. So we weren't in that situation and a lot of people did not come from that situation. So as I mentioned just now, there's levels to this. So you raise your ability to ascend through the classes in capitalism through productivity, more or less. And 
you do that by giving value. So I knew that I had to give value. I knew that I did not want to remain stuck in the lower middle class. I knew that um, I did not want to stay in a survival state. So I made it a point of duty to say, okay, I'm going to play ball here. I'm going to be as productive as possible. And it wasn't just only for money, but obviously money was a big part of being productive. And it is a big part of being productive for a lot of people. But everyone wants the generation after them to be more productive than they were. So obviously my parents wanted me to be better off than they are. So that was also another reason for developing productivity, just advancement in general. So there was a huge, huge need for me to stoke the fire to develop the skills of productivity because if you don't do anything by default, you're just going to stay where you are. And that's how cycles, that's how generational trauma or generational cycles continue because someone in the family line does not step up and they do not deal with their shadows. They do not deal with the lingering things in their life and they end up passing it down unconsciously. So I did not want that to happen. And I made a point of duty to really go to work on myself. And part of that was through productivity. So there's a brief background there. And I think many people can relate to that. So with that, let's start diving into some of the elements that make up this pillar of productivity. So there's many elements that make up a productive individual, a productive life. And I'd say a productive mind, more importantly. And throughout, let's say, the time, the past 10 years of myself learning about productivity, what makes it go, what makes someone productive, how does someone be productive, I've seen a bit of a shift. So when I first started learning about productivity, which was back in 20, I'd say 2011, 2012, the notion of it was different. Because at that time, there were, we were still in a lot of the industrial, what I call the industrial economy. So the industrial economy is before the internet revolution. So it was a lot of manual labor. It was a lot of uh, prioritization of, let's say, scholasticism. So going to school and being highly educated was a boon because that's those were the high income earners in any time before, let's say, I'll just say the year 2000, any time before the year 2000 or 21st century period, the high earners were a lot of the people. These were your CEOs, your executives, doctors, lawyers, high, highly paid engineers, some consultants, so white collar workers. And there was a huge, huge blue collar uh, workforce. And obviously over the years that's declined because of automation. So automation has taken over many areas in our lives collectively. And over the years, over the past 10 years, 
automation and technology has really redefined what it means to be productive. So when I first started learning about productivity back in 2012, a lot of it was talking about crank work. So a lot of this is how hard you can work, how hard you can grind, how hard you can quote unquote hustle. And a lot of this was popularized by a lot of uh, what I call tech bro culture. So a lot of this was Silicon Valley culture, people who really pride themselves on being very productive in uh, startup fashion. Um, even someone like Gary Vee, um, even today he still preaches the hustle mentality. But, you know, back then in 2012, it was a lot, it was very prevalent. And the notion of hard, hard work, we just work hard, just put your nose to the grindstone and everything is going to be a-okay because you don't need the methods. You just need to bust your ass and work as hard as possible, work around the clock, right? And back then, that was a thing that could have worked and that still can work, just brute force work. But over the past couple of years, I've seen productivity shift into more of a finesse and it's more of a mindset and it's more of a, obviously, quote-unquote, working smarter, which... I don't necessarily believe in, but that's what people call it. So I'll just go with that. Right. So I've seen productivity shift and I was able to develop the quote unquote working hard part early on. And now because we live in a time post pandemic, which was different to, which is different to the time pre pandemic, a lot of our notions of work have changed and a lot of our notions of being productive have changed. And now a lot of people have realized that, hey, traditional notions of work or productivity, there's other alternatives and there's other ways. So I'll talk more about that as we go through this segment. But the eight, I have eight things that make up this pillar of productivity. And let's just break it down. Let's start to break it down. So these are in no particular order, willingness, planning, and preparation, taking action, systemization, leverage, momentum, metrics, and seasonality. So it's eight, like I said, and that's a lot of, it's a lot of uh, obscure words, but I guarantee you they'll make sense as we go through them, as we start to go through them. So the first one, willingness. What does that mean? You need a willingness to be productive and engage in productive activities because <laughs> as you know, as I know, as everybody knows, it's so easy to not be productive. It's so easy to go on Facebook. It's so easy to go on Twitter. It's so easy to watch Netflix. It's so easy to procrastinate, period. Just kick the can down the road. So it's just so easy to do all these things. And the modern world allows you to do all these things in, with, with impunity, right? So you're able to not be productive at all, or I wouldn't say at all, but you're able to not put your best foot forward, so to speak. And you need the willingness to put your best foot forward because what do you tell somebody who may be in the lower middle class or even someone who's poor and you know they just live day to day and then you tell this person hey 
you need the willingness to be productive in order to get out of this situation if you really do. That person obviously needs the willingness to say, you know, I want to, I'm going to raise my, I'm going to elevate my status in life. They need that willingness. So if that willingness is not there, productivity just doesn't work. So there's no motivation there. And I don't want to say, I don't want to be one of those guys said, oh yeah, you just need to be motivated and rah, 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 and come on, just, just do it. And you can just be motivated, pumped up to be productive. And (laughs) if you need to be motivated to be productive, just drink a, just drink uh, energy drinks and coffee and you will be pumped up to be motivated. Just take, just take pre-workout, right? So there's your motivation. But this is a different type of motivation. It's an internal motivation. It is a circumstantial motivation. Like I said, when you get to a point where you're sick and tired of how you're living, that's going to stoke the fire to create that motivation and that willingness. So that's the key primary ingredient. It's like baking with with bread. If, if you want to bake anything of value you're going to need some type of flour some type of dough and willingness is can be considered the dough without it you don't have bread right so willingness is the first aspect of the pillar then let's talk about planning and preparation so planning if you fail to plan you plan to fail that's a popular saying And planning, I think, can be expanded to the realm of strategy. So you need strategy in order to really proceed in life. And the importance of strategy was lost on me until I encountered a very bad situation where I lost a whole bunch of money. And it's because I didn't plan, I didn't strategize. I went into the endeavor thinking that, oh yeah, I've got this in the bag. I can easily do this. I've got the talent to do this. But there was no strategy. And because I failed to plan, I should have known I planned to fail. So it was a painful lesson that lost me lots of money on the back end. And it's something I'll never forget. So proper planning prevents poor performance. And I always make it a point of duty to create strategy for a campaign. So let's say, for example, we're going to, we want to build a habit, right? We want to build a habit of decent complexity. So let's say something like, let's say something mechanical, something physical, like skateboarding or being able to lift weights or being able to ride a bike or something like that, something that takes skill to develop. You need a strategy on how you're going to develop that skill, how you're going to develop that habit. And of course, you could just keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it until you get to the point where it just becomes habitual. But if you get to a point where you're missing days and you're missing your practice sessions, then you're not going to develop that habit. So this is where the concept of implementation intention comes into play. So implementation intention 
is pretty much a way of keeping commitments to yourself. And it's a way of keeping yourself on track and it's a way of planning and strategizing. So implementation and intention, you pretty much make the intention to implement said, I'm going to do X at Y time for Z amount of time. So I'm going to practice skateboarding or doing tricks or doing certain things on a skateboard on Monday, Wednesday, Friday for an hour each day. And I'm going to be doing that for 12 weeks, so three months. And when you make that implementation intention, you've created the schedule for implementing and building that habit into your life. So the hard work of deciding and indifference and, oh, should I do it? Um, I don't really feel like it and this, that, and the other. All that is pushed to the side because you already have an implementation intention. It's like, oh, it's Monday at 4, 4 p.m. Time to go ride or time to go to the gym or time to get on the bike, right? And obviously, implementation intention does not mean you're not going to skip the activity, but it's going to make it more likely that you do do it instead of just having it in the back of your mind saying, oh yeah, I'll do it because a lot of people are bad keepers of promises to themselves. And I don't need to tell you that. You already know that. I'm pretty sure there's many times where you've broken your own promises to yourself saying you won't do something or you will do something and you ended up not following through. And implementation intention is part of the planning aspect to help you implement that. So planning, preparation, very important when it comes to productivity. Um, When it comes to building large lifestyle changes into the structure of your life. So that's the second one. The third one is obviously to take action. You need to take action. And that is where productivity really matters. And that's the center of productivity, taking action. Because like I mentioned in the last episode on philosophy, a lot of people don't take action when they come into contact with information. A lot of people just passively read or they passively scroll things. And it's just pretty much grazing. If you've ever gone on a drive and you've seen goats grazing or cows grazing, or it's it's called quote unquote rumination, that's pretty much what a lot of people do when it comes to information because we live in an information-based society. Information is cheap. Information is everywhere. I don't need to uh, even this manifesto, probably this is not anything new to you. You've probably already heard this in many versions, many formats, but the action, taking the action is novel because it is unique to each person. It's unique to each situation. So just reading a whole bunch of things and devouring a whole bunch of information at the end of the day is not really helpful more than taking action. And for myself, the I'd say the accumulation of this knowledge took place a lot for me in my late teens and early to mid 20s. So when I got to 25, 26, I started reading less. And by the time I got to around 27, 28, I made it a point of duty to really start calling a lot of my books that I had in my library. So I now, I barely, 
I do read here and there, but it's more about revisiting things. I've revisited several books over the past couple of months to reinforce my understandings of them and really get those principles down because a lot of these books are very meaty and um, nuanced. So I now have a set of core books that I revolve around. And a lot of the books that I had were really one-time reads or a couple time reads. And I got the information, took the notes, and I just ended up giving it away to a friend or I ended up giving away to charity. So the action taking part is obviously ongoing, but the I think people, especially now, overrate reading books. Reading books is very important. Like I've mentioned, I've always always be an advocate of reading books, but it will never be a substitute for taking action in the real world. And don't let anybody fool you saying that, oh yeah, if you read this book, the it's the master key to everything. All your problems will be solved just by reading this book. It's a bunch of baloney. You need to take action and get used to taking action if you want to be productive. So that is the third point, taking action in life. Fourth, we're talking about systemization. And systemization is what it sounds like. It's creating a repeatable system for results. And in the productivity module of Cornerstone, I go into depth on how to create a system, what a system is, and why you need a system. And why you need a system, I'll say briefly, is it offloads decision-making. So implementation and tension is a mini system in and of itself because it's already something that, it's not automated, but your decision-making is automated if you follow the implementation, if you follow the implementation intention. So there's no reason to really be indecisive about things when you have a system. So if you are a, let's say a freelancer, let's just use that example. Freelancer who needs to generate business, you better damn sure have a system on how you're going to generate that business. Because if you don't, you're just going to be flailing all over the place and you will be up a creek without a paddle, so to speak. So systemization helps offload decision making. It helps automate actions at the best. And it also helps to create repeatable results. I think that part is underrated. So when you have a system for, let's say, selling if you're a freelancer or if you're selling goods online, having a repeatable system on how to do that, obviously, it's sort of like, <laughs> I told one of my friends, it's like having a portable cash register. Uh, at its best, when you have a system, it's just like printing money in a sense. So things selling, in this case, happens on autopilot or almost autopilot when you have a system. So that's why systemization is important to productivity and it frees you up to do other things and be more productive in other areas. So let's say you're making money on the side and you're getting quote unquote passive income. That's like systemization. You now have the ability to go to other areas and develop passive income or develop active income. So because you've put the system down for that passive income, you no longer have to worry about it. You only just need some maintenance. So 
that's what a system does for you uh, at its best. And without it, productivity is going to be hampered and limited. It's not essential. It's not like a key, key, key thing. You need like willingness, but it will help you go pretty far and it'll help you be more productive than you are right now. So systemization, I'd keep that in mind. The fifth related to systemization would be leverage. And leverage in productivity is very underrated. Very, very underrated. And this is why I said that productivity, the world of productivity has really changed. The concept of leverage has never changed. Leverage has always been leverage from the dawn of time to now, but it's only with automation and systemization that we're able to leverage time, for instance, and have automation do a lot of the things that we had to do manually. So leverage is underrated and it's your ability to get the most out of a certain resource for the least input. So little input, max output for that input per unit. So for example, let's use an example of of time. Let's say you dedicate an hour to producing an output of, I don't know, let's, let's keep running with a freelancer example. You dedicate an hour to reaching out to potential clients, prospects, and if you could automate that, or if you could systematize that, you could probably cut that down to 30 minutes every day. And you have that other 30 minutes freed up for other things, for other income generating activities in this case. So leverage, you're leveraging technology to create more time in your day. And I remember when, uh, as an aside, I remember when I told somebody, this was back again, this was back in 20, this is tail end of 2013, 2014, going into 2014. I remember I told somebody I was going to get into the realm of e-commerce and, uh, even before then, I had been writing online since about probably, let's say 2004, but I didn't really do quote unquote blogging till my freshman year of college. So 2010. And back then blogging was sort of like a fringe thing that, you know, people only, (laughs) it was, it was seen as something that lonely people on the internet engaged in. And it wasn't really... I wouldn't say it was mainstream. I mean, writing online was mainstream. There was forums, there was social media, there was all that, but it wasn't anything like it is now. But back then, there were people making money online and there were people who were just, yeah, making money online. And it was sort of a fringe thing um, back in 2010. And I didn't even get wind of it that it was actually really possible to earn a good living online until about 2011 going to 2012. I was like, wow, people can actually do this. You don't have to be a company to make money online. So that really shows you the amount of education there was out there about that at that time. But going into 2013, 2014, I told someone I was going to get into e-commerce and they pretty much just said, what are you going to do with that? And 
that time I didn't really know how to take that because I knew that the internet was just ramping up. I mean, internet was getting involved in our lives more and more day after day after day after day after day. And now, after the pandemic, obviously, the world is everywhere. Now, people don't blink an eye if you tell them, they ask you, what do you do? You're like, oh, I'm a ghostwriter on Twitter, or I do digital marketing for clients, or I blog for a living. Like, people don't really blink an eye on that. They're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. So that tells you how much the world has changed. And it's because of automation and leverage. So that's another thing that I think is overlooked when it comes to productivity is having foresight and being able to see changes and trends in the world and the economy or yeah, just the world at large and where it's going. And now it's like, I'm sort of able to compound my productivity because I sort of started at a point where the ramp up phase for what everything that I'm doing in terms of my business ventures and how I'm expanding online. I've already I created the foundation for that a decade ago. And it's very easy for me to participate in these types of things instead of just learning from scratch is because I knew that I would have to be productive in this area and I made a point of duty to be productive in this area and build my skills in that area. So foresight and being able to see the shifts in the tide of where things are going, I think that's very underrated when it comes to productivity. And as time marches on, technology is going to become more and more entrenched in our lives. So using it as a leverage, using it for leverage Definitely do not miss out on that because it will do a lot for you. I'm telling you. So leverage is the fifth part of productivity. Then after that, I'd say we have momentum. So productivity is very hard to sustain without momentum. And I'll just touch on what I just talked about. I was able to build a foundation over a decade on how to be productive in just general areas and especially in life. And let's shrink it down once again to, let's say, e-commerce or online business. I'd been building that up for many years. So I had the skills, I had the knowledge, I knew what needed to be done in order to conduct business online. And then now there's a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people, especially after a pandemic, who are getting into this area and they're starting from scratch, and they just don't have the momentum built up that myself and or many other people have built before the pandemic because, you know, they had to pivot. They they don't have the mental models built yet of what it takes to succeed in this area. They haven't built up the experience. They haven't built up the uh, expectation on what it takes to succeed in this area. So, they're really, um, it, again, they just don't have the momentum. So momentum, when it comes to leveraging your productivity and systemizing your productivity, even taking action is very, very underrated. Momentum is one of the greatest forces in the world for creating change. And now, like I said, it's so incredibly easy for me to do 
productive things because I built up that foundation. I built up that base and it's easier for me to work on important things than it is for me to slack off and take it easy. A lot of people view a night of or day, entire day of watching Netflix and uh, sitting on the couch and just eating things and not being productive as easier than being productive. I'm the opposite. I can't stand sitting down watching TV for hours on end. I think that's lame. I think that's a waste of time. I think there's many things to do in life. I think there's many things that are calling for your attention in life, which is part of the reason why you need to be productive, that you can't afford to take it easy. You can't afford to take a break. Or I'll rephrase that. You can afford to take a break. You can afford to quote unquote take it easy at certain points, but it cannot be a lifestyle if you want to be productive. Right? So there's just a lot of what I call the easiest word I'd call for it is softness. And I remember David Goggins said, you cannot find strength in a soft environment. And you're not going to be able to find willingness. Again, going back to willingness, you're not going to find that in a soft environment because everything is provided for you. And obviously that's why, you know, you hear the stereotypical thing about rich kids or people who have a lot of money, who spent a lot of money. And it's like these people have no drive. Why is that? It's like because all of their needs are provided. They grew up in a soft environment by default. And it's no fault of their own. They didn't choose to grow up in that environment. But facts are facts that adversity and hardship create the willingness to be productive. And they create the willingness to create foundation, create momentum in your life. And when you're doing all these things, going on social media, browsing the internet endlessly, playing video games endlessly for hours on end, eating a whole bunch of junk food, doing whatever, you decrease your ability to be productive because you're taking away that motivation, you're taking away that fire, you're taking away what is required for you to build momentum. And if you want to be productive, you have to strip all of these away. And one way I'd recommend doing that is to go on what is called the dopamine detox. And I've talked about it at length on here, and I've talked about it many times, but I've written an article, and I'll also put that in the notes to this episode as well. So yeah, there are many things in our modern world that create softness. And if you want to be productive, you need to avoid them. Right. So the seventh aspect of productivity we're going to be talking about is metrics. And Peter Drucker was a management psychologist. He had a saying called, or he had a saying that goes, what gets measured gets managed. And while that's not always the case, you can always do measurement without management. There's many people who just measure stuff just to measure stuff. But Without having an idea of where you're starting from or where, yeah, where your starting point is in any area for productivity, 
you're going to have a hard time adjusting yourself to say, oh yeah, this is what's needed in this area from where I'm starting from. These are the efforts I need to put in. And this is the amount of time I need to put in to whatever I'm building. Like for example, again, going back to, let's say freelancing or skateboarding. Let's start with freelancing. Freelancing or building stuff online, selling online. If you have a lot of skills already, like you, if you've been in marketing for decades or you've been a copywriter or you've been someone who knows how to sell, you just have a gift of the gap or you're able to, or you, you have an MBA or something like that. You have prior experience, right? That's going to help you orient yourself to this new venture of what you're doing. So a lot of people, obviously, during the pandemic, they pivoted into new lines of work. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them uh, have prior experience in similar fields of what they were doing. Like there are a lot of people who opened Shopify stores or big commerce stores during the pandemic and they're still going with it. And before in their corporate life, they were, let's say, a middle manager or they were um, working in the marketing department or they were somebody who they had they had closer access and they had closer they had knowledge of what it takes to be successful in that field. So they weren't starting from scratch. And that's their baseline. But for you, if you don't know your baseline, if you don't know where you're starting from, you're not going to be able to gauge what effort is required. Because those people, they may not need to put in as much work as you do in the same field because they already have prior experience. They already have momentum, right? And if you're paying attention, you're noticing that all of these all of these um, points of the pillar link up to each other. They're inseparable from each other. And it's for that reason. It's for that way on a purpose. It's, it's that way for a reason. So all of these link together and metrics are going to provide a tangible guidance point for everything else in this pillar and in for productivity. So for myself, I take the importance of metrics very, very seriously. Uh, it's even to the point where recently, within the past, I'd say two years, I've started writing down key metrics or what is called KPIs, key performance indicators. I have KPIs for my life and I have a book of metrics that I look at uh, weekly and I gauge my progress in different areas to see if I'm improving or declining. And if I'm doing one or the other, I know how to adjust from there. So let's say... I had a week where I was just killing it in many different areas where I had a period of time, a certain period of time where I was just killing it in different areas. And I've had that. Uh, I've had a hot hand uh, over the past couple of months. And a lot of it has been because of the effort I've put in for a lot of different things. And I've had a hot hand for uh, years now. And uh, But I'd probably say before I really started consciously tracking metrics, it would come in and out. I would be on fire for like a period of months or weeks and then it would just sort of diminish. And now I know that, okay, I'm doing well and I can probably let off the gas a little bit in this area or I, I can push down harder to get more of this 
or it's like turning a volume volume knob. It's like you're tweaking it and you're getting the perfect pitch of whatever you're turning the volume for, turning it up or turning it down. And that's what I always thought of productivity as, as a volume knob. You can turn it up full blast where you're going balls to the wall, like complete immersion, complete just Again, crank work, just pushing things out. And again, there's value in that type of work. But you can also turn it down where there's no productivity happening at all. And most people hover in between these points. But I would say most people are operating on the lower side of the end. Because one, because again, they don't have the willingness. Two, uh, they don't have the momentum so momentum makes action taking easier and three they just don't have the metrics so they don't really know that they're operating on a low ebb and to them they think they're trying as hard as they can when if they actually tracked like for example freelancing going back to freelancing they think that oh yeah i'm spending so much time on my business and i'm not getting any results it's like well have you tracked your time have you tracked your time on client work? Have you tracked it on outreach? Have you tracked it on all of these different things? And for a lot of people, the answer would just be no, because they just think that, oh yeah, I can gauge. They think that they have a good ability, good objective ability to gauge their progress in, let's say, freelancing for this instance. But that's not the case, because obviously people lie, but numbers don't. And when you do keep track of the metrics, it just keeps keeps you accountable to yourself. Again, you're keeping promises to yourself because we are inherently bad at keeping promises to ourselves. So metrics on KPIs, key performance indicators, very, very important. And I go further into what that involves in Cornerstone, in the module and productivity. So metrics... If you're not keeping track, keeping score of where you are in life, I recommend you start doing that. And again, I talk about that in the productivity module in Cornerstone. So the last point of this pillar would be seasonality. So I think there is a very heavy importance on doing things long enough to see tangible results and also doing things at the right time. So I think that a good way to structure your life would be look at, for example, a year span. In a year, there are four seasons, obviously. And those four seasons last around roughly 90 days. And 90 days is a good amount of time to dedicate to one area of your life or I'd say most two areas of your life and really nail those down and really center those and really get those dialed in. Again, going back to the dial of productivity. So I think 90 days is a good amount of time to really focus on doing that. And when you split your life up into quarters like this, into seasons, then it just provides so much clarity and it provides a clear lane to take action. So... Let's say you have a season in your life, and the seasons can last longer than 90 days, but for constructing habits, like you have a season, like for example, oh, I'm just going to build the habit of going to the gym, or I'm going to build the habit of 
being good at chess or I'm going to build the habit of being a good friend. Like you dedicate a season of, let's say, 90 days to that. In some cases, this can even extend even years. Like, for example, if you're building your body, uh, you can extend that period all the way up to like three or five years saying that, okay, three for these three years, I'm making a priority to focus on building my physique. And that's your main priority for those three years. And while you're doing that, some other things are not going to be inaccessible to you, but it's going to make less sense doing that. So when you're building your body or if you're working out or if you're trying to get physically fit and in top, top shape, it doesn't really make sense to be going out every single weekend and getting destroyed because that takes away from that objective, that takes away from that goal. And likewise, like if you're going out and trying to meet women or you're trying to meet people in general, it's probably not the best time to start up a new business because a new business requires a lot of time and splitting your attention between those. It's like there are competing priorities. Again, going back to the notion of priorities, this is why I started to chunk my life into seasons because and quarters because I knew that priorities are what going to make life go and if I didn't know what my priority was in this season of my life then I would just be doing so many things and I've been in that mode I was in that mode for many years I had a period of time from when I was 19 all the way up to I'd say 23 maybe even 24 where I was just I was getting stuff done I was killing it in a lot of different areas for sure but then there would just be times where I would just be killing it like I said and I'd miss, it's like things would just stop. Like for example, um, there was a, I had a hot streak of just, I was going out a lot probably. And I think people in their early twenties can relate to this, like just going out a lot. Um, and I did that with the intention of being more social, especially after college. So I was going out a lot, but, um, there were other areas of my life that were slipping and, uh, parts of my launchpad capital were slipping and because it was, it was, it was, it was, it was just the wrong season, right? It was just, you could not, you could not do everything in, 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 in like a year because so many people try to do everything in a year. They, they list down all these goals and I used to do this as well. So I thought I could do everything, but, um, living by priorities, as I start to refocus my mind on priorities, saying that, okay, what is the thing you said you were going to do after college or the thing you were said you were going to do in your life? And obviously living by priorities, I had to refocus and recenter myself on that. So that's where, and that's why I'm such an advocate of creating quarters, chunking your life into quarters and seasons and periods of time where you do stuff. Because it creates so much less anxiety when you're just like, okay, well, here's the main habit that I'm going to build this season. Here's the main objective that I'm working towards this season. Here's the main lifestyle shift that I'm working for this season. Here's the main thing that I'm getting rid of my life in this season. And you orient your life around that. It's like your entire universe. That It's, it's like the sun of your galaxy. So the sun is your priority for that season. And all the planets or everything else you have in your life. And it's not like, like, like I said, it's not like you can't do other things in this season, but they take a backseat. 
and they have to take a backseat if you want to accomplish anything worth of mentioning in life. So living your life by seasonality is very important. And I talk more about how to do that in Cornerstone. So that is the final cap for this pillar of productivity. And that is it for the Productivity Manifesto. I thank you so, so much for tuning in and listening in. And I encourage you, if you have more questions on how to develop high levels of productivity, I encourage you to please check out my course, Cornerstone. Productivity is the central module in Cornerstone, and it is a main focus in Cornerstone, and it will help you build and orient your mindset in your life around productivity so you can live a life of your choosing and a life where you are proud of doing things that you want to do, right? So, course, link to my Twitter, where I'm at a lot, and the link to the website will all be in the show notes. And I hope you check all of those resources out because I truly believe that they're going to give you immense value. So again, that's it for me. Thank you for listening to the Productivity Manifesto, and thank you for listening to me wax poetic about productivity and i will see you in the next one where we cap off our manifesto series with the progression manifesto so until then take care and of course stay productive hey guys thanks for tuning in and listening in i truly appreciate your support and your attention it means a lot if you like this content go ahead and like the content go ahead and share the content with at least two other people you think would benefit. doesn't hurt to spread the good stuff around, right? And if you're listening in on iTunes, go ahead and rate the show with a honest rating. This will definitely help the show grow. And I truly appreciate your feedback. So until next time, stay good, take care of yourself, take care of other people, and peace.